Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Now stop beating your gums and sound the attack. Alright, hello, hello, hello and welcome everyone to the We Got The Chocolates podcast. This is the eighth episode of the We Got The Chocolates podcast. Welcome boys. Again lads, uh, quite a crowded room except this time with the added upgrade of the extra microphone having come in the mail. So Skin, you can actually speak early doors here. <laughs> no excuses this week. <laughs> <laughs> hey boys, how you going? Welcome Baz. Baz is back, that's for sure. Uh, and Boys, let me please introduce our second guest, second in-house guest here. Um, and we obviously, we've made it a bit of a tradition on this show that we look to probably try and uh, try and learn about some new sports. So Skin, for example, has learned about NFL. He's an aspiring rugby union uh, scholar as well. Um, so we're learning all the time here, boys. And I thought that this week it might uh, be be uh, quite useful to branch out a little bit and uh, and we're going to have a look and a chat here to our next guest who is a touch football player now skin with no secret that we are everyone here has played a little bit of cricket obviously we've spoken about that we've played a little bit of AFL we've spoken about that yep. uh, and we have sort of mentioned that we play Monday night touch football with Wheeze over there who's uh who's in again <laughs> uh, and uh but it can actually be played at a much more serious level than what we played at that for sure. Yes. Um, and I think this little this rap sheet probably uh, indicates that. So this is our guest. He was uh, selected in the Australian under-18 team in 2018, played in Malaysia and won the Youth World Cup. He's in the Queensland under-18 team uh, and winning the comp there. He's under-18 captain for Queensland. The, the biggest one, I might save that for last actually, is the youngest player to ever play in the NRL Touch Premiership. Uh, the youngest player to ever play Elite Eights, debuting at 16 years of age. He's in the, currently in the, oh, last year, 2018. He was in the under-20s Queensland State of Origin squad uh, and he's now in the Australian squad for the under-18 boys in 2019. Uh, boys, let me please welcome Bradley Russell. Boys, how are you going? Pleasure Thanks. to be here. That's great, Brad's Bradley. Uh, Bradley, thanks what for an coming, intro. Brad. That That's is a ridiculous rap. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> Skin's reading through it for the first time, obviously, because he just got home. And he's uh, quite impressed by that. That's um, probably a well, well, Skin probably got man of the match tonight as well, Brad. And oh, really? Yeah. Could have seen my left to right, Brad. Left to right. So, yeah. What was, it, what was the score, Brad? Uh, yeah, we lost 6-8. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't have to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty handy. Um, Brad, I guess the reason that we've uh, that we've got you on the show this week, uh, there's a couple of reasons. I'll get to them. Um, but we, we obviously know that it's been quite a big time for touch football recently in uh, in recent weeks and probably more importantly um, that there actually is like a little bit of a link now uh, between touch football and NRL um, so 
Baz, you can take it away, actually. Yeah, absolutely. But I was doing a bit of uh, research about the NRL Touch Premiership bef- before and um, something you were part of this year, which sounds awesome, mate. Tell us a bit about that. Was it a, a positive experience, I guess, moving forward and trying to bridge that gap? Oh, yeah, the NRL Touch Premiership is probably one of the pinnacle places you can be in touch football. Um, just to play before the NRL games at the NRL stadiums, it's something that just for touch football – Getting into new, new positions, mm, the juniors, can, the juniors can see, like you're on an NRL field, so that's f- something for them to look up, uh, look up on, yeah. for them, and you know, yeah, it's a yeah, massive step cool. in touch football. That's awesome, mate. Sure. That's awesome, man. How many teams are involved with that? There's about eight, eight teams, yeah, and you were part of the Gold Coast Titans Gold Coast setup. Titans, yeah, awesome, and you didn't quite make the finals. No, I missed out by one. We came th- um, fourth, and top three go through for that one, unfortunately. So oh, that's first right. place that's goes awesome. straight. And even the fact that I guess it was um, being live streamed, and it was a couple yeah. of games on Fox Sports, really is a real positive sign for Touch, isn't it? Yeah, that was huge. Like for Touch Football to be on Fox Sports, that's again for juniors. You watching Touch Football on TV? It's pretty unreal. If you mm. ask me, look, I'll, I'll go back and just watch every other touch football game and I'm just sitting there. Touch football's on Fox Sports. It's <laughs> yeah. awesome. What is happening? It's, it's crazy. <laughs> Tell us about how that, uh, how that final series went in the end, Brad. Obviously, I know it's a uh, testing topic because you weren't involved. The, yeah, old, no. go, the Titans, unfortunately, they missed out. But um, those grand finals wrapped up on the weekend, yeah, I yeah. understand, for both was, the men's and women's divisions. Yeah, for the men's, it was Cowboys versus Knights and that was a thriller. Yeah. Um, the Cowboys got out to a 4-1 lead with about 10 minutes to go and Knights just brought it back, got it to 4 all with about five seconds to go. Damon Moore threw a right-to-left long ball. Winger taps it back inside to the link and they win on the buzzer. Loose. It was one of the, it was loose, that's what for sure. Uh, I like was, that. And then the Shucks. girls, the Broncos got up. Um, it was 5-3. Yep. Yeah, their winger took a full-field intercept to seal the game, so it was that's unreal to see, yeah. Quality, isn't it? Go to the Browns. Um, yeah. And I guess that's, that's part of the reason why we actually do love touch football. Like we sort of joke about the fact that we play it at probably not a great level, Brad, but certainly <laughs> at, uh, for anyone that has got to watch it, and we'd recommend that you do if you if you get a chance to mm-hmm. to rip into watching some of that on Fox Sports or KS Sports or you know, all these places that you can watch it now, which as we talked about is a massive step in the game from when we first Definitely. started. Um it I guess they're the things that we love, isn't it? That it's explosive, it's fast, it's, yeah, there's yeah. always something happening. They're obviously very tiring games to play in, particularly at our yeah. fitness level. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, you know, by the looks of it, the footwork you have to be on point. You know, there's a lot of behind the scenes work that goes into every training session for when you get to that top mm. that you don't really see on TV. But you know, you really got to work on them and. As you play Redskins Wednesday night, I believe. That's it's right. me, actually. That's what you do, actually <laughs> we yeah. see your left foot come out every now and then. And, um, your team, I mean, yeah. you should be in our team. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I need a pitch out there to Chris Loth, actually. Yeah. That left foot is something else, mate. Well, that's yeah, the only foot that I can step <laughs> off due to the knee reconstruction. <laughs> Glad you're not talking about yeah. his left foot drop punt. <laughs> that is a stinker. That's yeah. for sure. Uh, yeah, I think I appreciate that, Brad. Thank you very That's much right. for uh, just oh, enhancing my reputation across uh, the tires, uh, touch football community. <laughs> it's magnificent. <laughs> I certainly will have a stinker on Wednesday night. <laughs> Everyone knows which way I'm stepping, so thanks for that. Uh, we might drop this episode a bit later in the week so I can contribute <laughs> uh, to the Redskins. Thursday morning. <laughs> exactly right. Um, I did want to ask you, Brad, just because I know that um, I'm not sure how long sort of the 
this contract uh, between the, or the partnership, I should say, between the NRL and Touch Football community is um, is planning on going for. But does it does it feel like there's actually sort of a legitimate pathway to the NRL through Touch Football now with the, with this partnership? Like with obviously, as you said, being on those stadium fields, um, we think about people like Caelan Ponga, Benji Marshall, who I know you're a massive fan of, uh, Sean Johnson, or Riley Jacks is at the Titans now. They, these guys, are, I'm sure there's plenty more mm-hmm, definitely. Um, from Melbourne Storm and stuff that you could name that were definitely very classy touch footy players as well. Um, is there a partnership? Is there is there a pathway there, do you think? I definitely think so, but to start with, you have to play. I reckon you have to play rugby league as well just yeah. to show that you can defend and all that. But And you've actually just started that again, haven't yeah, you? Redlands Parrots, Redlands Parrots. That's exactly where our last guest on. Oh, I, really I know that you would have listened to the episode. Definitely so you're a very Sam dedicated it, listener. Yeah. Every, uh, every seven, it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Sammy has it. That's his <laughs> junior club, the Redlands Parrots. So I think I might have called them the Lorikeets last week, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely the Parrots. Um, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, touch footy, you know, you see Caelan Ponga and Benji Marshall and all that. When they have a three-on-two, they just execute it to perfection and I reckon that comes back to touch football, just knowing what to do in a three-on-two situation and all that all that stuff and their agility is out of this world as you see Callum Potter. Yeah. Oh, as freak. Yeah. Probably yeah. We've <laughs> spoken about that before, actually. Well, probably better than your left foot, Gabe's, mm, but I know, which I know, is big call. That's a tight call. Mm, that's a massive call, yeah. But that's, that's <laughs> what you're on for, Brad, the controversial <laughs> yeah. calls. I like how you're bringing that. Big calls. Great debate, <laughs> Drennan v Ponga. What were we saying a few one episodes ago that he's he's going for a six million dollar contract? Or something? he'd probably want to have a better left foot than you you'd think. <laughs> well, actually, the Redskins skin on. I know that we don't talk finance very often, yeah. but they came with quite uh, a hefty, yeah, right, okay. hefty contract as well <laughs> under the table. But we went to <laughs> about brown yeah. paper bag, <laughs> old school. Um, oh yeah, I've got the next question. I've got so um. Uh, yeah, so I was going to ask you, Brad, what is the biggest challenge that you've found in your comeback to, to rugby league, just sort of moving over from, from touch? Yeah, well, obviously the physical side of it, you know. Yep. In touch, you don't have to drop your shoulder into anyone and try to <laughs> put them to the ground and wrestle them down there. I've definitely seen Lethal do that a few times. <laughs> though, yeah, well, yeah, I need to, to give myself story. time to get back yeah, on yeah, side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, when you you got six foot five people running at you and you have to, as I said, drop your shoulder into them, it's not like touch and... Just the playing style and attacks also different. You have, I reckon, you have more time in touch football to pick an option, which sounds a bit, bit different and weird. But yeah, you know, right. footy you have to either hit short or go out the back in just that split second, which is again reflects back to touch. Callum Ponga, Benji Marshall. Mm. Yeah, no, that's very fair, Gibbs. Am I going again? Two in a row. Yeah, I thought you had a story that you were going to ask, but obviously you had something, didn't you? For the, oh, like, yeah, like, uh, of course. I, I did provide some background to this story, actually. Um, but, Brad, we, we know that uh, – well, anyone that knows you well and that actually knows touch football in the slightest, I guess, would know that you are one of uh, three brothers yeah, yeah. that all play touch at a, uh, at a reasonable level, you'd have to say. In fact, one brother plays with you in that Titans team and one brother plays against you in the Broncos. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, and Mitch, uh, we, we saw a little bit of footage across Instagram – over the weekend that we actually wanted to ask you about <laughs> about that particular mm. Broncos brother. Yeah, so Corey, my eldest brother, don't know why he does it, but he, he's home alone, he gets bored and <laughs> any, anything goes through his mind. And this would be the last option for me. You know? <laughs> Plenty of other options there. But, um, yeah, no, we, we all get player cards as, to give out to the like young kids that go around Watch us. Yeah, Baz has been collecting them, actually. Oh, actually. Yeah. Unbelievable. I'll just, get, I'll just get Adam to sign one for you. Straight in the Smith's <laughs> cut. <laughs> crinkle cut chips. B. Russell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're very rare packets to find, those ones with the B. Russell ones. <laughs> yeah, no, so um, Corey's grabbed 
Adam's players playing cards and he's decked him up in his room just all over the place and he's took a video of him <laughs> making it out like Adam's yeah. put it all around his room like a poster of himself which, <laughs> which also wouldn't surprise me but um, yeah no he's just stitching it up there and I yeah. don't know what runs through that bloke's there but, uh, it's just something Bit different time over, uh, it literally looked like <laughs> Adam yeah. all over his room was, I fell for the trap there was plenty of questions yeah, going around <laughs> That's comedic genius from Brad. Uh, and Brad, can you can you let us know uh, now that that obviously the NRL Touch Premiership has finished for the year? What's our what's our next big sort of touch football event that we can keep an eye out for? What's, uh, what's coming well, up? Yeah, I'm playing in it's called NYC in September 20th yep. to be exact. Um, that's just a junior comp again, so that'll be my very last junior competition. I'm playing for South Queensland Sharks down there at Sunshine Coast, or up there at Sunshine Coast. Yeah. And that's just a wide range of Queensland. So pretty much every Queensland team you can think of is going to come to Sunshine Coast and try to compete for a national they come championship. They New South Wales as well, don't no, they? Just come from oh, they, and there's New South yeah. Wales come forward. New South Wales as well. Yeah. Lucky I, I'm I, here I, for you, bro. I forget <laughs> about those touch teams. <laughs> <laughs> they come from ACT. Yeah. They come from South Australia. That's, that's true, actually. Yeah. People everywhere, isn't it? I've done a doozy there, haven't I? Yeah, that's yeah. right, mate. That's <laughs> what we're here for. We'll, yeah. we'll back you up. NYC stands for... National, yeah, you've only played in it for yeah. 10 years, so <laughs> probably learn what it stands for at some point. Uh, perfect, no, that's great, Brad. Um, and we, we want to keep you around, mate, because uh, we usually probably go to cricket early doors in our podcast here, and we do have a lot of cricket to discuss, so you'll be welcome to uh hang around for that. Because I know I remember actually umpiring you as a junior, uh, so you did play some cricket as well, <laughs> and your brother always, Corey. Uh, always wants us to talk about the day that he took Pfeiffer in some Bears carnival where Mitch was keeping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's not bring that up. His, head, <laughs> yeah, his head's up. already big enough. Yeah, oh, he loves that story. He was stumping his... off a wide. That's right. His cricket player cards will be coming up. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, all right, boys. Well, uh, we are going to move through to the NRL. That's, uh, that's just something I prepared earlier, guys. So, little uh, little intro for the NRL that we've uh, come up with. Uh, so, Brad, as we still have you here, mate. The uh, couple of issues coming out of the NRL on the weekend. You're obviously uh, you're obviously a big West Tigers man. Huge, um, mate. <laughs> yeah, Huge. We've actually it's put, there has been a, a post, uh, a little story on. We got the chocolates that featured you in mm. every piece of Tigers like memorabilia that I've ever seen. So you had slides, I think. Yeah, yeah, West yeah, Tiger slides. slides. And it did have Tiger bungee smugglers on too under that. But did you? Yeah, we didn't <laughs> showcase them. We put, them on, <laughs> put them on the next story. Uh, yeah, there was like grandma's knitting was on there as well. Yeah, Christmas sweater. Yeah, that's a fair effort. So let's, uh, let's talk through some NRL issues, mate. We'll yeah. start with, uh, with your boys. Uh, they're only one win outside the eight, aren't they? But they've had a rough couple of weeks. So you're still holding out hope for a finals appearance for the Tigers? Yeah, look... We we can still make it. I'm definitely still holding hope. Um, we're sitting tenth right now, and we got Sharks, Panthers, and Broncos ahead of us. Um, we have Knights next week, so if we beat them, we're going to move straight up to ninth, definitely. And then we just need a few results to go our way in the other games, and I reckon Tigers can sneak in there. We haven't been in the final since maybe 2011. So really, oh, it's been a tough run, but. Look, yeah. Michael Maguire is one of the best coaches going around, so if anyone can do it, I reckon we can. Yeah, all right, they're backing him. Love yeah, it, love that. the support, Brad. Who do, you, who do you reckon, uh, who are you liking for the premiership this year, mate? Who's really stood out to you? I 
just it's storming roosters for me. Yeah, like, it's just clear it? cut. Like yeah. you see roosters play James Tedesco. I reckon James Tedesco is one of the best players in the world at the moment. Mm. With Latrell there on his side too, I reckon my tip's going to be roosters. They look unbeatable on their day. Absolutely. Then, what about the Raiders, it, mate? Are they the real deal? Do you reckon? No, the Raiders knocked off the storm yeah, they, the other day, didn't they? They did roll. The, they were down 18, 18-4, 18-6, and they came back at Amy Park. You don't usually see that with the storm. So Raiders are definitely. They're creeping up there, and I reckon they could surprise a few people. They could in, go a bit deeper than yeah, maybe sure. expected. For sure, yeah. And uh, <laughs> Brad, that, uh, you're tipping the Roosters. It'd have to be a, a hard pill to swallow. I know Adam, your brother's yeah. a pretty big Roosters man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't. Hopefully, the one episode they don't listen to <laughs> is this one because yeah. I don't want them to hear, hear about that. But um, <laughs> also, dad as well, your old man's a yeah, Roosters, both of them. Big, big Roosters man, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. How did you end up with the Tigers? Benji Marshall, mate. Yeah, right. That'll do it. <laughs> Benji Marshall. <laughs> Touch football connection. And why does Corey love Penrith? Oh, followed his mum, I reckon. Okay. Mum went yeah, right. to him, so. Oh, his gotcha. mum, Panther. Jesus, a split across the yeah, family there, isn't it? I'm the yeah, it's one. all over the shop. Yeah, that's right. How are the, uh, how are the Broncos going, Baz? Chance? Bronx. Yeah, yeah look, they seem to be playing all right at the moment. But they had a win on the weekend, didn't they? And, uh, here we we'll go, boys. The finals, but we'll see. How are the Bronx looking, Brad? Yeah, mate, they're looking all right. They're sitting, they're on 23 points right now, sitting seventh or eighth. Um, they just need to win their games and they're definitely in the eighth. So they could be a sleeper team again in the finals. They're starting to hit form at the right time in the competition. So look, they have a, I reckon they have a, probably the easiest run out of the seven, eighth and not tenth position. So I reckon they'll be a sleeper team in the finals. All right. The Love it, man. Um, the other big issue, I guess, that's uh, come out across the weekend, Brad, that uh, many people are speaking about um, today was the the NRL looking like giving Cameron Smith a warning for some of his uh, sort of, you know, some of his tackling yeah. tactics, I guess, for want of a better term in terms of uh, there's probably some video which – it, well, to me, it looked like when I looked at it, it looked like it was quite clearly sufficient him, evidence. Yeah, yeah. yanking on someone's <laughs> ear. But then yeah. he's come out today and said that he was definitely trying to drag his jersey or trying yeah. to pull his jersey. And even the NRL is sort of standing by that. They're happy to say that it was a jersey pull. Really? But yeah, well, that was like the latest this afternoon that the warning might actually just be for someone like he's holding down tactics rather than specifically saying he grabbed someone by the ear. Um, you know, I've got. I guess I've heard two different sides of the the story here. Like I, I look at that and feel like it's pretty clear cut. But oh, then sure. a lot of other people say that you know it's just because it's Cameron Smith, it's overanalyzed. And uh, we, yeah, what are you, what are your um, thoughts there? I reckon he's definitely rubbed his face for all money there, pulled his <laughs> ear or whatever you want to call it. But to me, Cam Smith, he he will get away with it because he's Cam Smith. That's just yeah, my opinion. Makes sense. But, look, he's probably. Top two dummy halves going around him and Damian Cook. So, yeah. Uh, the NRL do love him, we can't lie, but he's a great player. So, I'm not sure what they'll do. It did look like a ear grab or face rub to me, but I'm not sure what they'll do with it. And I, met, I reckon they'll warn him, but that's about it. Yeah, right. In my opinion. I'm a pretty big fan of Cam Smith, but I've got to say, I think he, he gets away with a lot of those yeah, issues, sure. doesn't he? Yeah, well, and that's the thing, I guess. He, no one's really – I don't know if they – I mean, you play now, Brad, at like yeah. obviously not quite the same level, but uh, in terms of like – yeah. <laughs> In terms of like the, uh, the sort of wrestling tactics and stuff that we always hear people talking about in the NRL and every coach comes into press conferences and, and speaks about how, uh, you know, that – that these tactics and these holding down tactics and these wrestling tactics, like, are they actually? Is it a big thing? Is it like? Do you talk about it in junior footy, for example? Yeah, for sure. Our our coach actually, our trainer runs. We 
try to really focus on that, the wrestling technique of it, like getting them down and then holding one, two, three on the ground so your defense can get set and yeah, you get okay. that line speed back in the back into the um attack. So it definitely is a huge part of rugby league and mm. I don't really see anything wrong with it too much, but it does slow down the game, but that's what the rucks what you you try to win the ruck for that reason, try to slow it down. Yeah. The best yeah. you can, so I think it's just a part of rugby league. Yeah. yeah. You certainly don't specifically talk about yanking the ears. No, nah, yeah, we leave that out of it. So, yeah, we <laughs> decide not to use that specific tactic. <laughs> yeah, that particular <laughs> tactic. Probably got to be a line in the sand somewhere there. Thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. not sure what's next Maybe after that. The neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and then, the boys, the, the other piece of news that we probably need to cover is that the State of Origin fixtures have been released for 2020. Um and the first State of Origin game, game one next year, is going to be played in Adelaide, um, which is interesting. Like for a game one, they probably probably haven't done that uh, before, I wouldn't have thought. Um, certainly, like I know we've had games in Melbourne in recent years quite quite often, and we had one in Perth this year, uh, but back to in Adelaide, which is a great stadium to watch from. Like I obviously lived in Adelaide for a while. It was fantastic. And Crows and uh, Port games, they packed it out, so... You just hope, I guess, that that uh, Adelaide is able to get around it. Do you think they will? Do they? I mean, I was down there. Yeah, it was very well, difficult to yeah. find a rugby league club to play for. So <laughs> that, that, that's the only yeah, thing that does concern me. On TV over the weekend, very oh, much. They they did like the state of origin games. They televised in the grand final. They televised, and apart from that, there was no, no games. Yeah, right. uh, certainly not across free to air TV. Um, so you wouldn't think. I guess that is the point of having it in Adelaide, though, isn't it? Like a, a big. Yeah. Something big like that that is recognised over the country. I guess they're pretty keen to try and make sure that they do continue to market it in those southern states. So and you would have, we would have had the same concerns about playing in Perth. Yeah, exactly season. right. It went went all right, didn't it? Bananas. Complaint sold out. It sold out. It was on a Sunday night. Well, they do have another Sunday night game going all right in then, 2020 as well. Yeah, right. no, it'll be good, I reckon. Yeah. What a place, Adelaide Oval. Great place. It's is, that, is that a good enough excuse to fly back down for the weekend, Lethal? Oh, I would have thought so. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I've actually played one game on the Adelaide Oval, not of rugby league, but of cricket. Yeah, right. That would have been strange to be playing rugby league down there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we would have had to be playing Origin. So <laughs> hard to do, I think, um, considering I was a speed bump in defence. <laughs> yeah, right. Do you want to pump your tyres up even more and tell us the Adelaide Oval story, or is that? Oh, enough. I can tell you the story. We're obviously it's part the of the mighty West Tigers <laughs> triple premiership. <laughs> big three peep. Yeah, that's right. That was the 2020 component. Yeah, right. um, yeah definitely hit a Dorothy off. Uh, I don't know who it was off, but <laughs> definitely hit one on the Adelaide Oval. And it was that little people watching that we like had to go into the rows to get the ball back. No one was there to say <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I'm it's not quite the same. No, nah, nah, exactly. One of the great years, though, boys, that's for sure. Uh, Brad, magnificent effort. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Thanks for having me, boys. Really no, appreciate it. No, you are most Thank welcome. You, it's great to, uh, great to have a chat to someone who's obviously doing great things in a game that we probably haven't covered as much on this particular podcast, but um, seeing that connection between touch and, and NRL is is great to see and actually being able to watch them touch football on our screens. Um, it's, a, it's a serious game to play and it's a serious game to watch at the highest level too. So we appreciate you being here, man. Thanks, Gabe. Appreciate it as well. Thanks, <laughs> man. Uh, perfect. All right, boys. Well, as we are, as we warned, there is uh, plenty to take out of the latest Test match in the Ashes. So we are most certainly going to cover a little bit of Ashes chat. There's quite a 
bit to get through. Uh, but before we do that, let me just uh, quickly play this particular intro here. There you go, boys. Uh, so good. to get a little bit of DJ, DJ Bravo in there. It's very Australian. Played for the Melbourne Renegades, so it uh, it fits. Um, boys, what a what a game of cricket we wow. uh, we had to sit up quite late um, <laughs> last night, and it gives us plenty to discuss. That is for sure. Um, Baz, we'll take it away. What do you thought? That's a cracking game, isn't it? Anyone that sort of says that test cricket is dead or that doesn't have a place or that it's been taken over by 2020, uh, if you could show them that test match, and that was really across three and a half days with yeah, the classic effective. England rain. Yeah. Absolutely lethal. Uh, mate, well said. Um, rain, rain interrupted, but definitely took nothing away from the test match when it came right down to the last 10, 8, 6 overs almost um, to, to get a result. I think that... Uh, that goes to show that you know, the test match was phenomenal. I think there's a lot to talk about. Uh, England played well. The The addition of Jofra Archer was huge. The impact he had in his first test was um, huge, really, uh, and put a lot of pressure on the Aussies. So moving forward, it's, it's very exciting. But the Aussies fought hard. There was lots of, once again, interesting decisions. It was... <laughs> It was all happening, so that's right. Well, let's uh, let's nail down a couple of these, I guess, Baz, um, and obviously skin jump in when you need to. Um, let's speak about uh, first of all the Steve Smith situation. Um, the man is obviously a freak at batting. That's the first thing, but then probably the yeah. bigger talking point of the game was that he got himself to eighty four, and then was obviously in the midst of a, as you spoke about, a vicious Jofra Archer spell uh, and was most certainly first hit on the arm. Uh, he's been cleared of any damage, scans cleared him of any damage on his arm, but he was definitely felled uh, by a bouncer that hit him in a pretty, yeah, I guess a spot in the neck that we'd never like to see people get hit in uh, post Phil Hughes tragedy. That's for sure. It's obviously brought a lot more awareness to, to what could happen there. Um, but I guess the big talking point, boys, uh, was, and I'm, I know I'm unsure how you feel about this, but uh, I don't know if it needed to be as big a talking point, but was the Jofra Archer, Archer uh, reaction to Steve Smith getting hit and the fact that he was sort of photographed or filmed uh, not long after laughing. Um, what, did, what was your take on that? And certainly was it a media build-up, uh, beat-up even, or was there, was there parts that we need to be concerned about there? Um, oh. I think probably mostly a media build-up. I mean, we don't know what he's laughing at, was he? We don't know what what was said or something. But, I mean, we can probably assume that he wasn't laughing at um, Steve being on the ground. I think initially he did check to see if Steve was all right. Josh Butler went from square leg straight uh, – not from square leg, from short leg straight to see Steve and, and looked like Steve was was doing, doing okay. And I think Joffre saw that and then uh, turned around and – and walked away probably knowing that Steve was all right. So probably a little bit of a media build-up for mine, Lethal. Yeah, fair. Skin on, your thoughts? Yeah, no, I'm pretty happy with that summary, I think. I, think, I, can't, I can't imagine it would have been anything too sinister in it. Yeah, was, how's the headphones <laughs> going over there? Absolutely meltdown over here. He's got microphones about six metres away from him and then the headphones are out as well. I'm real with this, Basil. Nah. Oh, thanks, mate. Can you hear yeah, good. Oh, great result. Um, yeah, boys, I, I think that there still needs to be an element of fast bowlers being 
angry too. Like, yeah, I, exactly. I I like a, that it's still a very competitive nature. game. Uh, there was a lot of attention being given to Steve Smith. It's not like he was sitting there on the ground with no one to help him. Yeah. Uh, there was 11 blokes around him. Uh, and and I think there is still like, you know, in the heat of that moment, you probably still are in the midst of like a battle. And remember that uh, pre-Phil Hughes, and I know that obviously that has changed everything, but yeah, certainly absolutely. before that, it was not uncommon practice for fast bowlers to be very angry and talk about hitting people in the head and talk about running in and bowling bounces and, you know, make yeah. him have a look upstairs. And like it was a genuine legitimate tactic that people used. And obviously our... Our uh, our world view on it was changed by the tragedy of Philip Hughes's death. There's no question about that. But um, but you know it's it's still I think that you've got to give the guy a bit of a break. Like Joffre Archer is is running in, steaming in, bowling as fast as he possibly can, and actually at the time of bowling that ball, he is trying to hit him yeah. uh, in in an order to rough him up and and try and dismiss him. So I don't think like. I don't think that it was really like a lack of care or anything like that. It's just the fact that he's angry, he's fired up, he wants to get him out. Remember the guy averages 352 every inning, so they're trying mm. to think of ways to get him yeah, out. probably need to fix that. Um, palm. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> that's right. And in his, in his defence, he came out the next day in a press conference and said, I don't know what I was thinking at the time, uh, but I was very concerned for his welfare. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I think, yeah, like I think, in the in the heat of the moment, I mean that's sort of what Test cricket's all about. That level of competition, I don't I don't mind someone sort of being competitive and, and not. And yeah, you you would operate under the assumption that pe- that the the Phil Hughes tragedy is not going to happen every time someone gets pinned up as well. Or that was that was a freak accident. Yeah, and it's, yeah. Um, it's interesting that you talk about that. Actually, skin. I've heard I've heard a lot of people now that are sort of coming out saying, "Why wasn't he wearing the stem guard? Should stem guards be compulsory for every single?" Yeah, I that's find that strange, actually. Well, I'm not sure that the stem guard, like I wear one, but I'm not sure that it would have covered that area that he got hit either. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it would cover a little bit of it, but like it is. Well, I think a few things. I think it might not have covered that area because it sort of hit more of his neck and not so much up near the, the stem of his spine. But um, and that's why probably why Steve Smith is all right because it sort of just missed. Yeah, like yeah. a soft um, tissue injury. Kind yeah, of. certainly if it were. A, a few centimetres away and, and he didn't have that stem guard on it, which he, which he didn't. I think it could have been a lot worse. Um, so I, I don't mind the idea of making him compulsory. I, I was baffled that he wasn't wearing one. Yeah, but well... I don't wear one because my fair, like, yeah, on 50 not miles many people. Well, there's a lot of so, people that don't. Like, we've, yeah. we've had Manus on the on the We Got The Chocolates podcast before, obviously. Sorry, Brad, not as famous as you, but uh, <laughs> a similar sort of guest. Um, probably not as good of a rap sheet, actually. Uh, <laughs> at that age um, But yeah we, We've had him on And I noticed that He wasn't wearing one We are about to get to his innings But he wasn't wearing one Last night either um, yeah, right. So I think cricketers Sometimes can be Big creatures of habit As well Like the You know they, they Something feels uncomfortable Or feels different Or feels weird Like even sort of You know Sometimes changing gloves And stuff Like those first couple of overs You're like oh, This feels different Feels weird um, So it's going to be hard to Even with that It is going to be hard To get uh, those stem guards to be compulsory for every single cricketer. They're go- they're going to have to do a lot of like batting with it in the nets and stuff before they actually feel comfortable with wearing them in a game. Yeah, I suppose that's true. But I mean, I don't know. There, there needs to be a bit of a balance there. Like if you if we want to keep the competitive nature of Test cricket and, and so allow people like Joffrey Archer to bowl those epic vicious spells, then you need to be 
very certain that it's not going to result in a death. So, well, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> it's true. So I think yeah, there has to be. I mean, you have to do something. If yeah, I imagine, well, surely they would either have to be compulsory or, or stricter rules around bounces and things like that. I don't, I don't know what the, the other solution would be. Well, certainly within even club Your bat. <laughs> oh, yeah, the old bat when old Joffre is just strolling in at 150 oh, miles an hour. Yeah. I actually saw a couple of rogue comments from people who were going to get themselves in the social sim bin at some stage of like speaking about how no modern-day players can play the short ball. Uh, you know, like it's uh, it's become like a lost art because they wear helmets. What? They All their techniques are crap. Just spraying what? people. I um, think... <laughs> Shucks. Bowlers are allowed to be good at bowling bounces. And also Steve that they Smith's bowl quite a bit faster yeah. than what cricketers were bowling a hundred years ago yeah. when there were no helmets. Look, I James, appreciate that you've got the willow in your hands, but if Steve Smith's the best batsman in the world and he's head-butted one, then I'd imagine a lot of other blokes are probably capable of missing him as well. Yeah, well, absolutely, man. That's exactly right. Um, boys, do you think oh, – I know we're not doctors or – well, Skinner's pretty close, but – Nope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Doctors or nurses or medical professionals here, but we do have Eloise. Oh, we've got Wiz. Yeah, that's right. Uh, do you think that Steve Smith should have been allowed to come back on and finish that innings? Because we've watched it live and he looked rattled. Uh, <laughs> he came out and started doing some rogue stuff and then he you'd have to think, like I know there is such a thing as delayed concussion and stuff, but he had to be close to concussed at the time. The reason I know that is because he reviewed that LBW. Oh, and that, <laughs> was, that, that was cannoning. In I think – well, I think – Pat Cummins kind of yelled out to him because he literally walked. He started walking. So I think yeah. Pat Cummins kind of yelled out to him, mate, just said, like, look, just do it. You're the last batter. Yeah, fair enough. I think, yeah. like, there's there's a strict medical procedure that he went through after he got hit. Mm. Um, there is testing that he has to go through and anyone has to go through that level that gets hit with yeah. concussion testing to um, ensure that he can go back out. So yeah. and we I were, think it was fine. And we were talking about it, Baz, and we were caught – like surprised because we were you were saying that you've you've done the test and even sort of after a you know after a stint in the field or whatever like that can be quite difficult to pass so like just testing your reflex and stuff if yeah you're exactly just a bit yeah exactly yeah, yeah, if yeah, you're we'll, just, yeah if you're just a bit exhausted it might be we like were a saying that yeah he's batted for like the last ten days straight yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then like yeah he's got to go into a reflex you know yeah so. test that he did when he was fresh. Like naturally he's going to be exhausted from actual batting rather than concussion. So that has happened before. I've seen that happen where it's like yeah, probably so hasn't been as, as much of a concussion, but yeah. exhaustion's probably stepped in a little bit as well. But, I mean, he passed the test, so that yeah, goes to show. But, um, but 30% of all concussions are actually delayed. So Really? Um, yeah, so that's a little bit of a, a stat for you that kind of hits you a bit later. Is yeah, that, right. That's not like one of those stats where it's like eighty-eight percent of all statistics are made up, is it? That's no, no, no. I read that stat. today from uh, the Cricket Australia head medical uh, officer, Alex Contouris. Jeez, look at you go, base. This is the most prepared I've ever seen you. Basil, on the level, all of a sudden you start one before nine o'clock, and base just makes contributions. <laughs> right, <laughs> we center. start. We start at ten past. <laughs> Oh, no. We're Sorry, losing him. We're losing My fault. All uh, right, boys. Well, we, we do have to talk about uh, the, the great man. Then that has been on the been on the podcast before. Uh, Manus Labashane, I guess, for all Australian fans out there. Uh, unbelievable the way that he's found his way into that Test match. Really, isn't it? Like, uh, it's the first ever concussion substitute in Test cricket, um, and he's. Certainly done a very, very reasonable job when Australia needed it the most, hasn't he? 
Absolutely. What do you firstly? What are your thoughts on the rule? Yeah, that yeah. was uh, that was yeah. That's great that you put that in because I was sure I've had that on the run sheet. Yeah. Uh, well, I I think based on what sort of skins already talked about and the fact that we are we're trying to take these head knocks a lot more seriously and stuff. I I think that it's a good rule, uh, in my opinion. I know that the purists of the game and the traditional uh, traditionalists are probably not liking it and would be sitting back hating it. But I think you can't speak about uh, you know those tragedies and, and speak about how much safer you want the game to be and market it as a game for every junior boy and girl and then and then say Steve Smith's been hitting the neck at 145 kilometers per hour and bad luck he's out for the game <laughs> I don't I think that they're, they're conflicting messages otherwise yeah yeah I think it's really good to be honest like there's been yeah as you said the traditionalists maybe not totally sure on it but time will tell I think that you know it was only brought in recently and look what happened. Like we used one in the, one of the first tests that's actually been yeah. – uh, the rule's been in. So um, it's hard to know. Like if, if Joffrey's bowling short balls and someone breaks their arm, you know I mean, like they don't get replaced. But like, uh, yeah, so, that is true. Yeah, that's true. That's, yeah. But, I mean, that's not like more death-related, is it? Like obviously the yeah, and that's uh, the thing. I guess you're not was, dying of a broken arm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I think there is a lot more significance on actual head knocks, uh, which need need to be taken more serious. So I'm I'm a fan of it. Yeah, yeah. I would, yeah. I would say I'm a fan of it as well. But I would just say for another reason, like oh, in order to win a test match, you should have to take twenty wickets. Really, you would think. I don't see why. Like, like not having that rule in place could. You just have the goal of injuring nine of the ten batsmen, and Jason. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I don't see why you should be punished for for being injured. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's very fair. I I think that it's a good rule, and obviously, uh, Manus would probably be pretty happy with the rule now that he's made his Ashes debut. Uh, how many runs did he get there, Bays? In the fifty nine, fifty nine. So notched a uh, notched a half century. Batted out of his skin, really. On a considering his second ball absolutely thundered uh, into his grill. Um, which did not look present and, and actually reminded us of, uh, of a little beach cricket video we've got that we might have to upload to Instagram where the similar thing happens off the bodyboard. Um, so we might get that up there to show that it uh, – Prepared that it, him well. Yeah, that's right, that he, that he could, could obviously be prepared for that. Um, but uh, that's, a, that's a serious knock under him and Travis Head, you'd have to say, uh, sort of probably got us out of a very sticky situation there with England having some serious momentum on that final day and, and obviously looking to level the series. Absolutely. Um, and, boys, what do you reckon now in terms of – you'd have to say that Steve Smith with the three-day turnaround, he's, he's probably unlikely to play this this next test. Uh, are you comfortable with the team that we've got? Like, would Marnus be a straight swap for Smith, do you think? What's, uh, what's your – Ash's team looking like for the third test? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he has to be. See, the way he batted last night on a tough wicket, um, you know, the highest of pressure situations, I think that, um, you know, he's batting really well. He's batted really well the whole summer over there. So I think, um, you know, it's, it's a great replacement if that was to, to happen. Obviously, um, I think if Smith plays, then then Marnus is still going to be quite a chance after the way he batted last night. Um, I think that whose spot would he take them most? It's hard to know. I think Bancroft um, would be under a, a little bit of pressure now, um, yeah. and and given Marnus can really bat anywhere in the top six for mine anyway, with Uzi being able to open, I think there is an option for for that for Marnus to to bat three, Smith four, and Uzi to open. 
yeah, um, as an option. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think I think he's definitely definitely going to be pressed in his case pretty much. Do you buy into the uh, David Warner being under pressure chat at all, Mitch, in terms of uh, obviously looks you know, like, like Stuart Broad and then Joffrey Archer certainly around the wicket. Uh, looks like they've found yeah. a little bit of a flaw there. But more concerning, I guess, was, he, you know, he probably spilt a couple of catches that, yeah. that potentially uh, cost us a chance to, to win that test and really drive the advantage home as well, which you, you don't usually associate with David Warner. Do you feel like he's got some... Some issues in the uh, in the mental confident athlete stakes at the moment. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, yeah, I guess he would be feeling a lot of pressure after the last couple of test matches. He obviously hasn't made a score and, and has dropped a few catches there. But I, I mean, from a selection point of view, I would like to think that. I mean, he's been one of the best batsmen and fielders really in the world yeah. for a number of seven thousand runs at fifty. Yeah, I would like to think that he's average. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to think that he's got a pretty cemented spot in there and then you would just you would just back him to yeah, to sort of overcome the mental hurdles and, and get back to his best form in the next I mean before the end of the series obviously ideal would be ideal. Like that skin. Get you in a psychology gig there. It's fantastic. Just yeah. backing people in. Yeah, me and Alan Mantle with oh, <laughs> shout out for Alan. <laughs> He's an absolute professor, Alan Mantle. <laughs> Serious guru. Uh, speaking of dropping catches, boys, um, Joe Roots catch last night. <laughs> out or not out? It's obviously against uh, – Marnus was the batter, so we're slightly biased. I'm happy to admit that. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. <laughs> uh, definitely not. <laughs> uh, to, to clarify that, because I don't want to be done for slander um, by – this well-known podcast that we run through here. Yeah. Uh, I'm not actually saying that Joe Root would have thought, and I've read some comments, and again, these people will be in the social simian when we bring that segment in again. Uh, I'm not saying that Joe Root is a cheat or that he thought the ball bounced and just jumped up and claimed it. Yeah. Uh, but I certainly know from experience that there are definitely times where you feel like you've caught a ball like in your hands, it feels clean when you're diving forward particularly. Yeah. Uh, but then like other people around you go, no, mate, <laughs> definitely not. Or yeah, that obviously exactly. it, you would think, I guess, and this is where I get a bit annoyed with all these, you know, the overturning of decisions and the video evidence that we have now, uh, you would think that there has to be a way to, to get these right. But it feels like the more technology we have, just the more mistakes that we seem to get. Like I, I think that Joe Root genuinely – jumped up and went, yep, I've caught it, right? And and then for it to be sent upstairs and the only reason it stays is that decision is because the umpire goes, oh, yeah, well, soft signal out when he was 40 metres away and had no idea. He just has to <laughs> yeah, guess something. Yeah, yeah, right. uh, yeah. I, I think that that's where the issue is. Yeah, I agree with that, Lethal. I think nothing wrong with what Joe Ritt did. Um, as you said from experience, like you do feel with those quick ones that you, you have caught it and there's nothing wrong with saying like, yeah, I feel like I've caught it or – even saying, I'm not sure, can you go upstairs? Um, obviously, then it, then it goes out of out of his control, doesn't it? And then, obviously, Alan gives it soft decision out and then it goes upstairs to good old Jolie boy. <laughs> Jolie's that one, one of the man. greats. He can't and, stay um, out of the spotlight, Jolie, even when he's in the <laughs> third <laughs> up on a dugout. Yeah, and he couldn't that. really see that there was enough grass between the ball and the hand to have a picnic on, but... Um, <laughs> Nah, like that's, Joe that's probably where it comes the down grass to. But on the way to catching it. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, as you said before, Gabe's there's so much technology, but it seems to almost make things more complicated. Like, yeah. um, a third umpire Joel might have might have thought on his own opinion that it wasn't out, but then he has to then go off 
um, Alam Dar's opinion, which is currently, you know, it's out. So then he has to have the right amount of evidence to overturn Alam's decision. It's kind of like no one actually has the power to make the decision and it kind of seems to be a bit more complicated. But um, like if you go back to the... 80s, 90s, 70s, Mitch, you know what I mean? Like that would just be like, see you, mate, you're That's out. That's the weirdest order that you went in. 80s, 90s, <laughs> 70s. <laughs> a mix-up. Um, like back in the day, how about that? Yeah, that's better. Back in the day, like, better, that, that would be like, you know, well, given yeah, well, out, off you go. Yeah, well, I mean, Rude would just say, I caught it. I caught it. no technology, you sort of just have to take his word for it. Take again. his word and yeah. the umpire goes, well, no, I saw it bounce, so you're wrong. Or he goes, well, yeah, I thought it was out too, off yeah. your pop. That's the problem now. There's like just 700 replays. It looks every, bad slow. Yeah. Every Australian watches that slow motion slow. and goes, well, that's yeah, obviously not slow. out. But every English person's probably sitting there going, well, yeah, it's obviously out, bounce off his fingers. Uh, and so then you get this then you get this whole like, mentality of Joe Root's a cheat versus Australian or Wingers. Like, and it used to be just so simple. Just did you catch it? Yep. And off you pop. Yeah. I, I do not like that. I don't like that Joe Root's integrity is being questioned. Yeah. That's for yeah. sure. Like, that's <laughs> something that I... I was about to say, we, we, we love sitting on the fence about things, but I think one thing we can be definite about is that Joe Root's not cheated there. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, I, <laughs> I don't. I don't like that his integrity is being questioned. I still will watch the Ellen DeGeneres show. He's out of... Um, it's out of his control, isn't it? And, you know... Sure, if it was one of us playing, or even one of the Aussies boys, feel like he caught it, then you'd say, "Yeah, well, I thought I caught it." Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, uh, agreed. Uh, very fair, Gibbs. Very fair. Yeah. Righto, boys. That's a great wrap of the cricket. That, um, and so I am going to move us on now to. Uh, we actually got a couple of sort of um, requests here from people asking us to cover the Nick Kyrgios meltdown because uh, he's obviously someone that we've spoken about quite a bit on the podcast um, and obviously we went from one week we didn't like him to the next <laughs> week we did like him because he won something. Uh, so we do we, we ride the roller coaster with Nick Kyrgios, that's for sure. But, boys, we are well down on him this week. Holy Moses. Well, certainly. Uh, he's just had one of the greatest meltdowns that I've ever seen. Um, so, for starters, he, he actually probably – Maybe had a point. I know there was a video going around uh, where because he was basically given like a he was given a, like a bit of a hurry up. Like it wasn't an official warning or anything like that. But in his tournament, he was given uh, in this game he was he was told to basically serve quicker that he was taking too much time between points. No official warning or anything like that. He eventually got an official warning later, uh, and that was when he was standing at the end, like putting a new grip on his racket and saying, "Yeah, I'm ready. He can serve." But he was obviously not ready <laughs> to serve at all. He's <laughs> a strange cat. Anyway, uh, and so – but then there has been a video going around that showed the amount of time that he took in between his service points uh, to the time that Rafael Nadal oh, – That uh, was exactly what sprung to mind. <laughs> that he takes between points. Yeah. Uh, and Nick actually brought this up during the game. Like he must just go in with some preloaded debate. <laughs> He's like the first speaker for the affirmative side in your debate. He just comes in preloaded, uh, ready with his points. Um, and he was sort of saying, get a point up of get a, get a point up of Rafa and see how long he takes. I guarantee you won't find anywhere he's quicker than me in that game. And it uh, turns out he was actually correct uh, on that front. But then he, uh, he then goes, I guess where there's an issue is that he 
just his behaviour after the game, I think that's where that's what's drawn him. Obviously, uh, in Australian dollars, it's a hundred and sixty-six thousand seven hundred and forty-two dollar fine. Oh. So obviously, the ATP was taking it uh, pretty seriously, and they were not particularly impressed by it. Um, but basically, he refused to shake hands with the umpire at the end. He definitely spat in his direction. Um, there's, there's no debating that. Uh, and then what I felt weird, he didn't get fined for this, but he gave one of the rackets that he'd broken. He took a toilet break, which he wasn't allowed to do. He just said, I'm going to the bathroom <laughs> and just walked off the court. Uh, so he got fined for that as well. Um, but he walked off simply, he didn't need to go to the toilet. He simply just broke two rackets. So I guess he was trying to do it off the court so the cameras couldn't see him, but then the cameras followed him in. So we all saw it anyway. Um, But he's broken two of those rackets and then he gave his broken racket to a kid in the crowd after the game. Why would the kid want a broken racket? (laughs) (laughs) I'll just take this and play with it on Thursday night. Thanks, man. Oh, thanks, man. This would be good. I keep framing them for some reason. (laughs) My private lesson that I'm paying $70 for. I don't know what's happening with this racket. Oh, just very, very strange. But I I don't know what you boys think, but my stance on uh, the shaking hands thing annoys me a little bit. I, I can't stand it when people like... And Brad, we might get your microphone back on for this as well because you you played in some touch football games, and I've seen you where you've been in vicious battles. Um, but but after the game, you just shake hands and that's it. Like you just leave it on the court, you know, or on the field or whatever it might be. In my opinion, I can't stand the not shaking hands thing after the game. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. As you said, um, some touch games actually get really fiery, and for every sport, it should just be left where where you played, like on the court, on the field, whatever it is. Just needs to be left there, and after games, after the game, you go back to being like you should be sport, should be having good sportsmanship yeah, throughout the whole game. But yeah. you got to shake hands. Yeah, it's and just that, one I, thing you yeah. have to do. And I think that includes right. that includes umpires as well, in my opinion. So uh, I don't know, boys. I, I worry for Nick Kyrgios. He goes from like one week, he goes plays unbelievable tennis, and yeah. you're back on him, and you think maybe this is the start of something good, and then the next week you just. Proper meltdown like this, so it has to be. So, done. what's he doing next week then? Winning the US <laughs> Open, yeah, win something next week for sure. Who knows? He might play a basketball tournament or something, uh, which actually does bring us on to our next point, which is ironic because it's an AFL section, but we're talking about basketball. And for that reason, boys, uh, I have got this uh, little jingle to show you here. There you go, boys. Uh, so that is the AFL intro. How about that? A little jingle for every sport. That's I know. Well, that's the time that that week, I didn't have one for uh, Nick Kyrgios, unfortunately. No tennis one yet, but I'll get that happening. Um, boys, what about what's going on at Collingwood? There's a Braden Sire. Yeah. Did you hear about this, Baze? This is your area of expertise usually. Oh. Um, he's been injured. Like yeah, calf you can't pick him in your fantasy team. Huh. Not that you would. Need him, boys, because you're dominating. Yeah, uh, but he's been he's been out injured, but then rocked up and played a uh, a basketball game, which Brad also plays a little. Thursday played a night. social basketball Brad, game. Yeah, Brad plays a little Thursday night basketball. <laughs> yeah. Social as well, don't yes, you? Brad? There's, there's did you play f- against him at all? No, he's from Melbourne, so probably not. No, probably not. no yeah, I don't think we did. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Could have happened, but I don't know. Yeah, that, no, yeah, we is there anything you don't do? Thursday nights, the, me and the brothers, we get get amongst it and do we really? shoot a few threes, airball a few of them. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we haven't actually got your uh, your basketball rap sheet here, man, just a touch that was given to us. <laughs> Pretend like we can dunk, but... 
<laughs> I can't touch the net. So. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, that's that is loose behaviour though, isn't it, Baz? The, the Braden. Absolutely. So twenty one year old's been fined five thousand dollars from from his club Collingwood actually and he has to do community service one night a week for the rest of the a season, but he's he's recovering from a service calf. like umpiring at a basketball game. Oh, uh, who knows? Reffing at a basketball game. What would it be? Um, Probably doesn't say in that three line article. Oh, you've what got <laughs> something useful? What you just thought? What's, what what uh, level of basketball are we talking here? Was he just? It was just down social like social basketball. Social. Yeah, like our standard of touch. He's just having a run around. Yeah, basketball. most likely it was to some mates, yeah. and then he's lied about it. So it's, it's just the it's best just, idea, right? Just, yeah. Uh, have a read of your contract idea, today, mate. Uh, what, are our, what are our other events that happen in AFL across the weekend, Baz? Studs up real lethal. Oh, One that favorites. controversial. One of absolute favourites yeah. down at Alex Hills get the studs up. Oh, I often go studs up. I've never been off the ground, but if I was, I would put the studs up. Well, <laughs> Jack Rewalt yesterday was done twice, not once, but twice, uh, for taking two hangers and was given free kicks against him when he'd taken the mark um, for the studs up rule essentially, which is like the Toby Green rule is brought in after Toby Green kept putting his foot into people's faces last year. Remember Uh, that, those replays? Um, And so they've sort of tried to outlaw that as much as possible. But um, it just seemed ridiculous. Like in in both occasions, Jack Rewalt was jumping from behind the player. So his foot went into like his hamstring and his gluteals. Um, So, I mean, really not threatening the face I, I just think like again we sort of lose common sense with some of these rules uh in terms of like it was made to protect people's heads and eyes and things like that not people's hamstrings um and you don't want to take hangers out of the game like if, if he's jumping for the ball he doesn't necessarily know exactly where his studs are pointing where they're going or what's happening uh, in my opinion yeah, so, not something you track too closely nah so very i mean very, yeah the toby green ones last year i could get because he was literally putting his foot high enough to karate kick people in the head <laughs> um, vertical. and that's yeah that's a different story but when you're just using it as a bit of a climb like laddering step laddering up people to take hangers i, I think that we need to i don't know it'll be nice but the, and the other problem i have is that all these rules will get looked at at the end of the season you can never just go, actually, yeah, that's a dumb rule. We'll change it this week. <laughs> it always yeah. has to wait till like the end of the season to get it uh, to get it sorted. So that frustrates me a little bit. Um, yeah, absolutely good. Yeah, perfect. All right, Skin, well, we've uh, we've robbed you of uh, this for enough time. But again, the emails just keep coming in thick and fast. So we do need to get to this. I'm concerned by how long it's going to take you because you have the there. biggest spreadsheet I've ever seen in yep. front of you here. Right. Uh, but this is definitely a segment that we like to call Skin Stats. Thank you, Lethal. Great intro yet again. Um, yeah, so Skin Stats this week had an email regarding the upcoming Rugby Union World Cup, um, which is oh, your area of expertise another one again. of my... <laughs> My favourite sports to talk about, so I've really been been challenged over the last couple of weeks, but I've I've come up with the goods as per usual. Um, <laughs> no, but basically, so the the question was, who's going to win the World Cup? Um, but didn't want to just have a bit of a guess and say, well, that would not be skin stats. That would yeah, be no, exactly. He wanted me to wanted me to delve a little bit deeper. 
Um, and effectively, I mean, look at look at each country's history in previous World Cups. Look at how they've gone in test matches over the last three years since the last World Cup and effectively tip every single game of the upcoming World <laughs> Rugby World Cup to figure out who was going to finish. And we're out of time. Order, <laughs> in each pool. Holy and Moses. Yeah, so it was a tough gig, but um, yeah, no, I came up with a nice little model. I've got got, got, a, got an Excel spreadsheet here that's like nine different workbooks, and it's it's all happening. Um, and yeah, basically, oh, yeah. If, for for those who, who who care about stats, so not you, Basil. Um, <laughs> Basil has gone a better. I've sort of gone a little. I've geez, there's there's so many variables that you can look at. So I haven't. I've completely ignored things like location. Um, or like the venue or or even, I mean, players that are coming in and out, there's a, probably a lot of variables I've ignored. I've, I've pretty strictly looked at sort of like uh, just for and against points over the last few seasons um, and I've taken like a weighted average of, so sort of weighted it towards their, their most recent performances over like the 2018-19 year um, and and yeah, so, sort of tried to tried to come up with a little prediction of of what's going to happen in each game, who's going to win by how many points, um, and then obviously use that in the in the ladder, the little ladder. So I was watching Brad's face. Look, <laughs> so you're, you're talking. talking. <laughs> Brad, what are your thoughts? Oh, Brad, what are you going for? In his head. <laughs> I'm speechless. That's all I'm saying. I'm speechless. Brad had no idea what goes on behind the scenes for the skin stats oh, segment. Jeez, uh, there's some hours working for this every week. <laughs> all right, skin. So what have you got? Anyways, what do you come up with? So, um, yeah. So there's a there's a little you know there's a point system. So you have four points for a win and none for a loss by more than eight or whatever it is. So I've, I've gone through and chucked all that in there and basically I've got what do we got the the quarterfinals we've got. No, we're not going through all the quarterfinals. There's a thousand of them. Um, so, so the first semi-final is going to be England versus New Zealand. This is me, this is me prediction. Yeah. Okay. Sharks, that makes I'm sense. Actually, that's not bad. Wrong. Yeah. I'm no, looking at this other semi-final yeah. though, and it seems weird. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, there's plenty of variables that I haven't accounted for. Okay. So, anyways, yeah. we've got England, New Zealand in the first semi-final. New Zealand are winning by ten. Yeah. And then Wales versus Ireland. In the other semi. Really? What do you reckon? I don't know. Well, apparently Wales have been going all right from my very limited understanding. I wouldn't have a clue actually about those two Perfect. teams. Yeah. Well, I had no clue either. But, I mean, looking at the numbers, they're, they're going well. Well, no one's beat New Zealand though, are they? Do the stats back that up? Um, they yeah, pumped Australia was, on the I mean, weekend. Yeah. We were getting excited about the Wallabies and then they got absolutely hummed on the weekend. Ooh, <laughs> back yeah. to reality. Um, yeah, well, pretty much that was that – was, Sort of always in the back of my mind as I was working away on this all week um, is that New Zealand are, are rather good and I was probably going to put in a thousand hours work and, and find out the obvious. Um, and yeah, the which big, you have done. The big bombshell <laughs> is that New Zealand are winning the World Cup. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, what, a, what a shock! The best team in the world all are right. probably going to win the World Cup. Yeah. So you've worked out slightly more shocking. But you've game. genuinely gone through. I think we need to like show people. The work that you've done here, somehow. yeah. I was going to say because yeah. I mean, to say New Zealand's yeah, probably like, gonna, probably yeah. going to win the World Cup is not that impressive because no, any game on the I street even, could have yeah. probably told you that. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't even follow rugby union, and I could have told you that before I looked at all this. But I mean, it's yeah, it's sort of more the the, the spreadsheet that people might be interested in seeing. 
Yeah, okay. um, so well, I don't we'll know, figure maybe, out a way maybe to... we could find a way to get that up on the Facebook page or something. Oh, yeah, that'll be some riveting viewing. Yeah, I'm sure people will love having back. a read of that. Yeah, make sure you share that one, Baz. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Oh, I think that might, that might do us. That's unreal. Yeah, and yeah, that's quality again. So New Zealand win, but we will uh, showcase just how much data analysis goes into backing that up, I think, because, Brad, you're shocked, aren't you? So maybe everyone else will be as well. Most certainly. Um, boys, that's smack bang on the money, the allocated time that we have got for this particular episode. Uh, however, we are going to take you out with a song of the week. It's actually not um, a recent song of the week this week. We wanted to sort of uh, get sort of a bit of a blast from the past here and we're showing you and showcasing you sort of where the idea for the We Got The Chocolates actually started uh, so that you can sort of get on board, join us for the ride. This was the first song that we ever created um, and it's uh, obviously a parody of uh, the song that's called Hard Act to Follow, originally sung by Grinspoon. Uh, we've obviously remade the song uh, and called it Our Scores Are All Low. This was our first song inspired by our borderline um, dangerous addiction to AFL fantasy and voicing our frustrations there. Uh, so this was from round 10 earlier in the season where we'd obviously had one particular frustrating encounter and we want to showcase that for you on the way out of our episode today. But before that, I just need to say, obviously, Brad, we've still got you here. Thanks for hanging around, mate. Thanks for being here. Wonderful guest. My pleasure. Love a live listen, mate. (laughs) First viewing. First person to hear. Well done. Excellent. Uh, As per usual, guys, if you will have anything for skin stats, which most people do, if you have anyone (laughs) that we want to uh, put in the social sim bin, please get your emails into wegotthechocolates at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, There's plenty happening in those particular platforms. Uh, And we will have this podcast up for you as soon as possible. Every Tuesday night, in fact, they go up so you can find them all then. Thank you very much for being with us. Enjoy the song. Oh, our scores are all low. McRae is not our favourite fellow. With it, its performance was mellow. We didn't have David Swallow And Brayshaw must be sick Cause he avoids all kicks And Neil's disposes are rough But he involves so much We wouldn't mind Bradley Hill Or the good Brayshaw Halftime and Young is only on four and Neil, Shield, and no Jack Steel, whoa. We should have had Curly Beer, you feel, put him on the field, whoa. Give us Jordan Gallucci, so many of these rookies. I've got Connor Rosie, he's over crossed. And then Callum Wilkie We wouldn't mind Bradley Hill or the good Brayshaw Half dumb and young is only on four A Neil, a Shield, and no Jack Steel, whoa 
We should have had Curly Bill If you feel Put him on the field Whoa We haven't got Liam Shields Not ideal Even James Cecil Whoa And Neil The Shield And Magic Thorpe Whoa Yeah, sorry <laughs> Got it needed to rhyme there Good, Good player night. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.